Welcome to Complete Edition, the podcast between a PlayStation Trophy Hunter and an Xbox Achievement Hunter. This is episode 9. I'm your host, Compulsive Nerd, and I am joined by my co-host, AJ. How was your week, AJ? It's been pretty, pretty great. I got lucky. Uh, You found out a few minutes ago that last weekend, thanks to Square Enix, I was given an early code to Life is Strange True Colors. So I was playing that over the weekend. I think that's the earliest I've received a game before release. It comes out when we're recording this on Thursday. It comes out tomorrow. So when this goes up, it'll it'll already be out. But but yeah, that was a nice surprise. Maca contacted me, and Square Enix were great about it. So so yeah, I've been been playing that, and that's it's been awesome. How's how's your week been? Hey, getting it that early, I have a question. Is it like was it more stressful or was it? less stressful because i feel like there's a lot of work to be done when you get a game that early but you know it's all about your experience so the thing that's stressful about getting a game that early is that the achievement list isn't live and there's nowhere to find it and no one to talk to about it really so it's like you're always worried you're missing stuff because you can get achievements to pop but you're like oh i don't want to I felt like when I was playing, I had to try absolutely everything, like talk to every character, inspect every object, run around the outskirts of all the maps and and try and do everything. I still missed one achievement, which is quite annoying on my first playthrough. So I had to go back and like try to find the last thing, which took me a few days to do. I sort of gave it a few attempts and then was like, now forget this. And then and then uh, Maka found out the achievement list from like some other sources for what i'd missed and so then i went back and got that and then i was uh according to true achievements i was fourth in the world to get the completion so that's pretty cool that was that was weird and i've never completed a game before it came out either like i've never beaten like fully got the perfection before the achievement list is even out or before the game is out so that that was a a first for me i feel bad i used to be the guy and i still am the guy that kind of gets annoyed that you know, it's not really fair that in terms of if you if you care about being one of the first people in the world to get all the achievements or the trophies and something, it kind of sucks that, you know, the press and guide makers, you know, and, and, and people like me get the get the game so early that they can get everything done before the biggest fans even get a chance to play it. Because as we'll talk about, I'm not really the biggest Life is Strange fan. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the game and it's like I've 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 been given this amazing opportunity, but often I'm on the other side of that where I'm like, hey, like I love this series, and you know, people who aren't even that good or don't even care about it, they get to be like first in the world to to get everything in the game, and it kind of it kind of sucks to be honest in a way. So it, it's sort of bittersweet, like to be on the other side of that fence where I managed to get everything done. It it feels satisfying, but it's not like it's a it's not like it's a fair contest or like a fair race with with other people and with the gaming community. Yeah, that is very bittersweet, but I think it's also a testament to, like, the people who work hard, the people who really... I mean, you also get lucky, but it's, like, being so hardcore enough to where you make videos for trophy and achievements and you're in the system, I think that it gives rights to have that early access, but you're also competing with the other people who are also in that same realm, and it's kind of fun, like... Like you said, you weren't the first. You, you there was, you know, three before you, and that's it's still hard to do first. It's a really fun thing to do, and if you look at it, most of the time, if you look at it into by individual achievements, you might be the first on several. It all depends yeah, that's... on just the last one, the at getting the last one who's first to do that. Yeah, I've not checked. I mean, for me, the the proudest is you know, Crash Bandicoot 4, because right. that completion is really, really hard, and I didn't get that game early at all. I just played it midnight, and some people did get it early. They got it, like, two days early. So, to be able to beat those people and get it first, that that one felt really good. This one, the even if I was first... <laughs> if I was first, it's like, the achievements are easy, and then also, I feel a bit like a scumbag, because it's like... 99% of gamers didn't even get a chance to to start the game to get the first achievement so it feels more hollow in terms of the experience but i i mean it's very rare that a game comes along where you even get the opportunity to to be among the first you know and and it's not really a factor for me for almost any game 
in terms of it's not something I really care about. It's not something that if you if you were purely focused on that, you just never have a backlog and you'd never have old games. And I love older games. So so, you know, it's not it's not a huge deal or anything. Right. And week after week, AJ becomes more and more professional. It's pretty lit. <laughs> um, as for my week, dude, you know, I went to the meet and greet and I I I had a damn good time. I talked to a lot, a lot of trophy hunters. It was really, really fun. I felt like no matter where I went, there was always someone to talk to about trophies. And it, everyone, it, it was so strange to be in an environment like that. I've been in gaming events before, but I've never been so comfortable to just disagree so hard with everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got, I mean, I just, I gave Maple so much shit that weekend, dude. <laughs> so much it was fun man i hope that you can come out next time because there would be times where we were all like laughing and having a good time and we're like we wish addy and aj and other guys like Locke were here you know it's like oh it was so much fun so much fun yeah the, ter- the event looked great yeah it, of, it was uh, really i saw i saw a lot of the pictures and, and stuff yeah yeah absolutely was and in terms of that we didn't play much video games we spent most of our time talking drinking and just arguing about video games which was really fun but on the flight i started to play lone survivor and this is like a pixel art game that's also like horror based and i put my headphones in and i started the game and it said and it was on vita and it said play this in a dark room with the volume really loud and i was like ah shit i'm on a plane i was like am i doing this game a disservice so i put it down just listened to a podcast kind of on my way there then i kind of hung out that week, that weekend. And I mean, to mention beforehand, I did platinum Persona 4 Golden. It's number 211. The final like secret boss was such a hard boss. So hard. Sometimes it frustrates me when there's turn-based and then the boss has a move that just completely wipes you out in one hit. And it's like nothing you can do. It's like you can't guard, you can't do anything. It's just over because it's a 9999 damage. It's like, what the fuck? It makes me so angry, but I did it anyways. I got it. Then I went on the trip and it was late. You know, I had, I stayed up late that night and then I had a super early flight. So I was tired. And so I slept on my second flight. So a connecting flight that got me to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then when I was there, I had people recommend me a new Vita game and I started that and I am playing the hell out of it because I love it. Have you ever heard of Fez? Yeah, of course. Was yeah. an old uh, XBLA game. Yeah, this Wait, game. I rem. It's I've I've had this experience several times in my life where like I watch E3 or I watch something and I see a game and I'm like, oh, I want to play that game. Completely forget about it. Just never ever think about it ever again. I was told to play Fez and I was like, let me look that up. And I was like, oh, I wanted to play this game so bad. So it's like this 2D game and you use the triggers and it's like a 3D environment. So the puzzles like t- the the world turns. And it stays 2D, but it completely gives you a different perspective. And I was like, this 2D, 3D matchup, like, is so interesting. And I just, I'm going to platinum this game. There's no doubt about that. And I'm having so much fun with it. As for Lone Survivor, I'm going to play it after, probably, I play Fez. But for right now, it's just Fez on Vita when I'm on the go. And then Life is Strange, which is coming up. I have put down Ghost of Tsushima. I'm going to shelve it until there's time for me to play that game. With so much coming out, I feel like September is packed, and I just don't have the time, not with school and everything, because when I got back, I should have been able to play way more, but when I got back, I just started to go hard on homework, trying to get ahead, so that I could have free days, like, I want, I want Monday to be, like, a whole last day where I just play video games, like, 12 hours, you know? I want Thursday to be a day where I have, like, half the day to play video games. That would be ideal, so that I have more to talk about on the show, because in the first two weeks of school... It was like hard to get my my schedule balanced because, you know, I flew out of town and that really limited my gaming time. And then I flew back in. I'm tired. And then I'm back to school. I'm back to work. It's like it's hit the ground running and I still want to play games so bad. So I'm going to shelve Ghost of Tsushima Iki Island for a little bit and then I'll return to it when there's like some lull period. And then I'll play MLB The Show down the line, too, whenever I'm craving baseball again. Because I, I ordered that, and I'm just not going to play it for any anytime soon. But do you have anything else to say about this week? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've gone into what we've been playing for the most part, right? Right. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little more about Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for the for the audience or for you, but I wanted to tell people, I guess, before I talk about what I think of the of the game. I've played Life is Strange one, and I didn't like it. I thought it started off strong, and I really love the music and some of the atmosphere of the game. I think Kate was a great Kate Marsh was a great character, but none of the other characters really worked for me. And uh, I guess. Some spoilers for the first Life is Strange, but if you, or implied spoilers, I guess, if you don't care about Chloe in that game, or you don't like Chloe, you don't think she's, I don't know, you, you think that some of the criticism of her is, is valid, then the story kind of doesn't work very well, because the game is very much about Max's relationship with Chloe, and like, giving up things for your friend, and... and you know, supporting each other and that sort of thing. So if you if you don't feel that attachment or empathize with that connection, the game doesn't really work. And I didn't find some of the characters believable. I thought that a lot of the a lot of the villainous characters or antagonist characters were sort of too cartoonish and caricatured. It was sort of obvious the way the game was trying to lead you and it didn't do it in a in a way that, that I would have liked. Because the game is so narrative and dialogue focused that I kind of expect more depth and more believability to the characters, if that makes sense, in terms of how you approach a story. And I think it, it worked for a lot of people and it didn't work for a lot of other people. I know that game is quite polarizing in terms of its narrative. And for me, it didn't really work, unfortunately, but I liked how it started and um, I enjoyed sort of the first episode the most. And then it sort of went went downhill for me, which was unfortunate. Uh, I, there's a lot of other narrative games I thought were better. There's the problem as well, which is a problem in a lot of narrative games and, and puzzle games as well, where the game sort of is very linear and it forces you to say certain... Th like, you can only choose a set of dialogue options and those dialogue options don't really change the trajectory of the story very much. And so a problem happens, and this is true of all narrative games, and it really depends on the person. But there's times where you think, like, oh, I want to be able to do this or that, and the character can't say those things or do those things, and so then you kind of get annoyed because you're like, if my character would have just said this, then none of this would have happened. And it's like, and I wanted to say that, but my version of Max can't say that. And people had that problem with 12 Minutes too, where it's like, they wanted to be able to say certain things to the cop, and they can't say those things, and because of that, things happen in a certain way and it's like they're quite frustrated because their solution or what they think is a so solution isn't even being explored and and i had a little of that in life of life life is strange season one or, or life is strange one and then i never played season two and i never played before the storm i heard season two was terrible in fact i heard that season two was bad that even people who really liked the first game or the first season hated the second season or hated the second game so, uh, and I saw some clips from the second game, and it seems like characters are really caricatured, and the writing is quite heavy-handed. I find, I found the first game a bit mean-spirited towards some characters. It seems to be really unsympathetic towards some of the antagonists, and then gives characters like Chloe a lot of opportunities to do right, and to sort of turn her life around in ways that other characters aren't aren't really given that and and again it sort of it sort of rubbed me the wrong way in I think, that sense i think in two they help address some of that stuff um i think you get to see arcs of more terrible characters and you feel more for them and you they change because that's what people do and i think that's where a lot of people go wrong with life is strange one is um i've known people like some of those people in that town they might be like characters but sometimes people just exist like that and that's fine like, that's just how it is. Working at, like, for example, you know, Chloe's mom just working at a restaurant in a small town for her whole life. Like, there are people that exist like that. And I think that having such a, like, grounded and real, like, type of people in a game where you're telling an emotional story, I think that keeps the world grounded. And, like, no, but that, that's the problem for me. I don't, I didn't find them realistic. I was right. just like these, some of these. I, I think the problem is, I guess, I should, I should say, the characters that the game clearly wants you to like, I didn't like them. And so then the characters that the game clearly wants you to dislike, you know, like like David and, and you know, the, the obvious antagonists, 
you know, Victoria and all, and all of those, right? The characters you're not supposed to like, I didn't like. And then the characters you're supposed to like, I also didn't like. So I'm just like, I just hate everyone. So I just don't <laughs> care at that point, right? So right. that's that's the problem. It's not necessarily that the that the bad characters are bad. It's that the good characters were bad as well for me. And then and then the line between the bad, like the the ones that they're trying to make seem sort of terrible and antagonistic and and the characters that are supposed to be good that the line ends up blurring and the game isn't accounting for that because it's like you're meant to be sold on like max you're meant to like really care about chloe and it's like but i don't really think they're good people and so then i'm like and and the game doesn't seem to i don't know it's sort of like the game doesn't want you to think that and if you do think that then it, it falls apart that's that's sort of my my problem with it that's a good criticism as and like that's mostly what happens with the life is strange series so i'm really interested to play the new one but if you're connected to and you've played all of the games there are always you know universe ties and references to the other games and i think that it's it's brilliant i just i can't wait to play this new one (laughs) yeah i i felt that i felt that you definitely didn't need to play the previous ones when playing true colors I, I noticed there's some references back. They're very minor, though, I think. Um, I think when you play as well, when you play True Colors, you, you will know you're playing a Life is Strange game. It's it's very obvious. It's got, like, that similar, like, vibrant, almost like, like I don't know, like like that pastel, like, color scheme that, that looks really, makes the colors pop, and it does look sort of cartoonish in a, yeah. in a way. Sort of low detail as well, but intentionally not like not like as like a technical problem or like texture popping or anything. But in a stylistic sense, it looks like that. It looks the part, and it is this small town thing that you mention, and and that does carry over. So I want to say about Life is Strange: True Colors. I think it's the best Life is Strange game. I enjoyed it. I didn't like the previous the previous one I played, but I did like this game. I think the characters are well acted. Their motivations and their personalities are all believable, which again, you know, that was a big problem I had with the the previous game, that it it made these like one dimensional characters and and it sort of gave them a, it gave some of them a redemption arc, but even that seemed predictable because it's like no one's this cartoonishly bad, right? In terms of like, like David, you know, the PTSD stuff and all of that. But yeah, I, I thought that True Colors was a lot better. I thought I understood all the characters more. I found them more sympathetic. I found them more well realized. They fit into the world really well as well. I think there's there's still some cringe. I've tried to avoid because I think I think the way people criticize Life is Strange usually is they just say like it's cringe and then that's it. They're just like it's cringe. Like the teenagers are cringe and then they're like but I, I don't I can see that point, but also I think it's it's slightly lazy criticism, perhaps because it seems like some of that cringe is intentional. I think some of it isn't intentional, but I think some of it definitely is. So I try to avoid focusing on that as like a reason I don't like it. There's definitely some of that there, but it it comes in it comes in bursts and it's forgivable and it's it's to highlight very personal moments. And so it it worked a lot better for me. And I felt like I could empathize with the characters and understand them. And a big theme of the game is empathy. So in terms of that, it's completely successful. It completely worked on me. And there's also a level of, in terms of gameplay, there's some more interactivity at some points. There's some some level of like mini game type stuff where it's not just walking and talking that switches up the gameplay. And you know, there's some there's some optional stuff as well that's quite good. You know, there's there's places where you can walk around. And you have a level of freedom. It's not just like linear corridors absolutely everywhere. So I think that helps with the pacing as well and makes makes the game a lot better than it, it would have been otherwise. Although saying that, I think the game still has pacing issues. Uh, I'm annoyed about Square Enix. I'm not going to say why, but in terms of like specifics, but their marketing has spoiled some stuff in this game that they shouldn't have spoiled, Whoa! in my opinion. So it's awkward because I'm using that as a criticism, but I can't say why because I don't want to spoil it for you right. or for no. anyone else if you haven't seen the marketing. I have it. I always stay. I, dude, when shit that I'm going to play comes on, I go away. I leave. Even like, yeah. I'm not, I know I'm going to play God of War 2. I'm not going to watch anything. You know, I'm not going to watch. When Life is Strange was shown, I was like, no way. No way. Walked out. <laughs> 
Like, I know I'm excited that it's coming, but like, I'm not gonna sit here and watch it. It's same thing with trailers. The new Spider-Man movies, dude. There's a new Spider-Man movie. I'm gonna see it. Do I know what the trailer looks like? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So what annoys me more about this is I get what you're saying, but like, I'm not a fan of Life is Strange, so I didn't seek out any Life is Strange marketing, as you might imagine. But yeah. It was part of other E3 shows and other showcases, and then you just get it put in front of you. And so that that kind of annoys me a little, um, and it really undercuts some of the impact of the game. I, I'm sure some people will know what I'm, I'm talking about, maybe not, but um, yeah, it, it kind of, that kind of sucked. And then there's some pacing issues related to that, where it's like huge events happen. You know, I mean, that's not a spoiler, right? Huge events happen, and then you sort of, weirdly, you sort of return back to normal for a while. And that is always a problem in games. I know that there's a there's a criticism of uh, Fallout 4 and some other games, because in Fallout 4, right, at the start, your son is taken away from you. And then instead of, like, going to, like, find him and like, follow the main story, you can do a bunch of bullshit side stuff, or then even the main story stuff, you get involved with the Minutemen, and you, like, capture settlements and stuff, and it's totally irrelevant to the story, and it it gives you this, um, this disconnect between your character, who is this father who's lost his son, and then the actual gameplay, and the the stuff that you're doing as a player, there's this, like, I don't know, maybe I can be pretentious and say ludonarrative dissonance, because that's what people call this stuff, right? Right. And the game has pacing issues in that sense, I'll say. Again, you know, I'm using Fallout 4 to to make sure I don't say, you know, specifically what's going on, but, but there's a lot of that where it's like, I wish the intensity of the game increased sort of gradually, right? Like, it, like, goes up and it's like, okay, so now this is more important than this, and this is more important than this, and then, and that would have been really cool, and that's how most games and stories are paced, although, you know, you, you in terms of, like, you might have, like, rising action, and then you might fall to a new low and then go up and stuff, but, but in terms of, like, the actual importance of the events of the game, very rarely is it a good idea to sort of have something super dramatic happen and then afterwards be like, Oh, okay. We're just we're just returning to normal and not solving the mystery and not solving the the main thing that you would care about. And, and this game has some of that, which kind of sucks. I will say the filler content that I'm essentially referring to is good filler, so it's not terrible. It, it's not it's not brilliant, but it's not as bad as it could be because the stuff that you do is still pretty pretty good at times. And the game, in terms of pacing goes very, very slow sometimes. But I think the game does that to its advantage because like I said about the characters, the characters are given room to breathe. You can talk to them a lot. They change, they adapt, they're interesting. And if the game was faster paced, you would probably lose some of that. So game doesn't have this perfect balance of pacing. It gets away with it because of how good the characters are. And then in terms of the town, the game takes place in the town of Haven and it's very dense, and there's some freedom, and it's 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 great. I really liked that. Again, you know, I'm really trying to avoid being spoilery. It's tough because it's, you know, it's a narrative-focused game. So. Right. But in terms of one criticism, I don't think the game does a very good job with choice and consequence. So there's some fun decision-making stuff in there, but the decisions aren't wide-branching, really. I mean, maybe there's some that, you know, I haven't explored fully, and, and they could be, but it's typical of this type of game, even the Telltale stuff, where a lot of the choice is sort of like the illusion of choice, because it's there's two sides to it, right? If you're going to make a game that's focused on decision-making and narrative, you want all of the decisions to feel, or a lot of the decisions to feel, impactful. At the same time, unless you have a huge budget and a huge team, you can't possibly... You wouldn't be able to branch the story of a narrative game in episode one and then have that completely, like, shatter the story so that my episode two is different to your episode two, like, completely different, right? Like, you can never do that because there's not enough time or money and then most of the players, most of the players won't play the game twice or several times and you can't do that for every decision. So there's definitely a balance to it, but I'd say I was a bit disappointed that it didn't go further. There's some... 
RPGs and some story-based games that do this better. So the game very much sort of has one story it wants to tell you with very slight variations. But what it does tell you and what it does give you is pretty good. So, you know, it's fine in that in that sense. The achievements are easy. It's collectibles and there's a few missables. But the chapter select is very good. Within the chapter select, there's you can also select different sections. And then within those sections, it will tell you if there's a collectible that you haven't found or the collectibles you've got. So it's very generous in terms of chapter select and going back for stuff. So if you don't want to have up a video when you're first playing and you just want to go through completely blind in a sense, then then you can do that, which is quite good. So yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. I was surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. I didn't I didn't love it. I said, you know, I'd probably give it like a 6 out of 10, which to me is good. Like it was worth playing. I'd recommend it to people. I would especially recommend it to people who are fans of Life is Strange because, you know, it's a, it's a big moment that I'm not a fan of this series and I enjoyed the game. So if you're like super into Life is Strange, then I'm like, hell yeah, you got to check this one out because because you might love it. You know, I liked it, but you might really love it. So, so yeah, I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited to play it. I really am. I just, I wonder how, just because it carries so much weight when you're, when you say you're not a, a fan of the other ones, but then this one, and it's like, I'm such a big fan of the other ones. And how will that make me feel about this one? Is it going to go the opposite direction of what I want? Or is it, more in the op- the direction that the people who didn't like the Life is Strange, the direction they wanted. It's such it's so up in the air, and like I can't wait to talk about it. Do you want to do a spoiler cast next week? We could do. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the one thing I have reservations about is it seems a little expensive. I think it's like sixty pounds here. Wow. Um, I think it could be it could be forty. You know, it could be sort of two thirds of a full price game. To be fair, it, it did take me about 15 hours, so that's acceptable. But it's not a very involved game. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd maybe... So if I was if I was recommending it to just like a regular... Someone who has no opinion on Life is Strange, I would probably say maybe wait for a sale unless you think you're going to be super into it. Because it really is a game you will play it once and then that's it. And you'll probably have a good time with it. I don't think you'll have a great time unless you're already a fan, then, you know, exactly, then it's a wholehearted, wholehearted recommendation at that point. So, yeah, I think I think maybe it's a little pricey, because obviously, you know, I didn't have to pay for the game, and I got to play it early as well. So, in a sense, I had my opinion completely disaffected or unaffected, like, I hadn't seen any reviews, no one else had talked to me about it, I'd just been playing it on my own before a lot of other people... On the other hand, I got the game provided to me for free. So, you know, if you if you know you've paid for it, you're probably going to go in and be more critical. Like, this thing better not waste my time. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone at full price. But if you're a Life is Strange fan, you, you got to get on it straight away because... Oh, yeah, I don't want this spoiled for me. Like, that's a big thing with narrative games is, like, when it is straight, straight narrative, you don't want to be late because that's whenever you get spoilers. People just throwing them out. They're like, well... It's that I can't talk about gameplay. There is none. <laughs> like it's all game. It's so much yeah. about the narrative. So yeah, the game. The game is slightly longer than I expected, actually. And um, I think I did it in two sessions. So I think I did episode one and episode two in one, and then the other three in my second session. So you can probably you could probably beat it in one go, but you'd be playing it for like twelve to fifteen hours. So. You know, it's probably better to do what I did and, and go for it in two. Yes. Yeah, like you say, right? That, that So there's five episodes or five chapters, but if you if you did, like, one chapter... If you, if you did, like, five sessions to beat it, there's probably going to be a lot of spoilers online by then. So, yeah, I'd also recommend getting through it pretty, pretty fast because it is a game that, you know, it can be spoiled. So, you know, you, you've got to... Because it's so story-heavy, you've you got, to, you got to get on it, definitely. All right. I also, yeah, so just quickly, I also finished Dishonored Death of the Outsider, and I'm working on Omno, which is a short indie game that's on Game Pass. It's got very easy achievements. It takes less than two hours for the full completion. Uh, But it's not a, it's not like a shovelware, you know, Rattalaka Games type, type deal. It's not a glorified Flash game. It's clear a lot of effort went into it. I think it was only made by like two people. 
And it reminds me of sort of that, you know, that Abzu and Journey type of game. Like, it's very minimalist. It's sort of focused on the experience and the beauty of it. The art, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those games. It's not as as groundbreaking as Journey or anything, but it's a nice, like, chill-out game. Like, you see some... To go from level to level, you, like, ride on a different monster, like a legendary monster, and it's, like, everything's really friendly and... And there's like all these cool creatures and you're just going around and collecting orbs basically in, in this like very serene world that sort of a diverse amount of colours. So so yeah, it's a nice chill out game. It's it's easy, it's on Game Pass. There's guides for it that you know, you can just follow it for an hour and forty minutes. And yeah, I'm I'm about I don't know, like a third through the game. I got distracted by something, but I'm going to go back to it and finish it and yeah, it's it's totally fine. Awesome. All right. Are you ready to move on to the topic on the table? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what we're going to talk about is games that we're looking forward to for the rest of the year and that we plan to hunt. We're going to go ahead and do it month by month. And I'll go ahead and start out in September. Um, Games I'm looking forward to on September 10th, Life is Strange and... Tales of Arise, both of these games released on the same day. Obviously, we just talked about Life is Strange, and I will be playing that first. And then Tales of Arise, which I looked up a trophy guide, and it's like 70 to 100 hours, which is a long one. It is. So I might I might take breaks on that. But I really am looking forward to this weeb game. I know that you're not about it, but I really am excited yep. for oh, it. Oh, wait. 0% chance I ever <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm all about this. It The combat looks super fun. Um, I'm curious how the story will be. I like that Tales games are like not connected at all, so I don't need to play the other ones. And then on the 14th is Deathloop, and I don't know if I'm going to even play this game. I'm not going to lie. Bethesda is hit or miss with me, and I if I can't turn off invasions, I'm out, I'm hard out, I just, I don't want to be invaded. Um, and not then, really developed by Bethesda, though. It's developed by Arcane. Right. Under Beth- Published by Bethesda. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess it's up in the air. Maybe I'll wait for a sale. That could happen. That That actually might... Unless it becomes, like, Game of the Year, which I don't know if it will be. I think it might get nominated. If it gets nominated, I will play it. I will. I think it will review... This is a hot take. I think it will review better than Halo Infinite. So it will will be... It will be better than... It will be, like, the best FPS this year from Xbox Game Studios, you know, slash Bethesda. That is is bold. We'll see. Yes, no kidding. Damn, that's bold. Well, that makes me a little bit more excited and probably leaning more towards I might play it. And then lastly, actually, there's two more. Oh, my God, so many games in September. On the 21st, first, Kena Bridge of Spirits comes out. And this game I'm really looking forward to. Like, I am going to platinum the hell out of that game. <laughs> it looks so cool. Like, we, we always say, oh, it's a Pixar-like game. But this one, really, like, with the... Studio directors, they have a background in animated movies and things. So this game really does look like a Pixar movie. And like I am all about this art style and this storytelling that they're going for. And I'm just like ready for this interactive animated movie type of game. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's so awesome. I might play Sable. This might be another game that I wait for a sale. Um, it's a little indie game. You just kind of walk around like a deserty planet and solve puzzles. Uh, Coming to Game Pass day one. Yeah, see, and so I might I might play it on Game Pass, but I don't know if I'll hunt it. I'll I'll wait for like guides and stuff to see what kind of what kind what kind of game it is. Maybe I'll wait because it could come to PS Plus and then I'll get a free platinum. It's like it seems like one of those games. But Death Stranding D- Director's Cut. I don't know if I'll play that immediately. Might wait for a sale. I love Death Stranding, but. Everything is so packed that I think I might just like, I've played it before, I'll move it back. Just kind of like I did with Iki Island, you know? I've played Ghost of Tsushima, I can move it back because there's other games that I have not played yet. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. And on lastly, for September 28th, is Ghost Runner PS5. And I already own it on PS4, and I'm pretty sure they said the upgrade is free. Um, so I want to play that on PS5 probably going to go for the platinum i heard it's challenging so i'm really excited to try that and that is my what i'm looking forward to in september do stacked stacked month yeah for me i think october is slightly more stacked but yeah for my september so 
I've I've just looked up the dates for mine. Uh, so September 9th is Nuclear Throne, which has come out on Game Pass and Xbox. It's been out for a while on PC and other systems. Uh, I've heard good things about Nuclear Throne. It's one of those like old, ro- older, oldish roguelikes. Uh, it's sort of a bullet hell roguelike, and I'm not sure how the achievement list is. So I. I'm considering it. I'm not, like, immediately going to jump into it, most likely. I'm going to, like, scan out the achievement list and, and see how I like it first, because I don't I don't necessarily want to commit, like, 300 hours to it. And then on September 9th, The Artful Escape is also out. So that game has reviewed better than I expected. It's got an 80 on OpenCritic right now. It's on Game Pass Day 1. Uh, Annapurna, they seem to... They seem to publish quite a lot of pretty good kind of indies, essentially. You know, they, they publish 12 minutes as well, and their games usually are quite short as well. They're quite short, they're quite interesting and unique. So that's on my radar. I might do it. It should probably take like eight hours to beat it. So yeah, I'm considering that. I'm considering Sable, as we mentioned, on September 23rd. Uh, and but you know, both Sable and The Artful Escape, they seem like interesting, short, chill indie games. And then... Also on September 23rd, uh, Diablo 2 Re- uh, Resurrected comes out. So I've never played the original. I've never played any of any of the games in that series. So if it reviews well, I'll maybe consider playing it and giving it a try. I was always considering Diablo 3 when it came out, but I heard so many mixed things and the launch for that game was terrible and everyone was like, Diablo 2 is one of the best games of all time, so you know, play that one. So now seems like a good opportunity for that. I might do it, but... Like you say, ever since basically August, the game releases have started coming in thick and fast. So it's going to be there's going to be a lot of competition for for my time in terms of all these games. Absolutely. And if we move on to October, for me, this is where games actually start to slow down for the rest of the year, which is kind of good because I can catch up on all those September games that are going to become backlog games. Most likely, I will wait on Deathloop and then play Kena Bridge of Spirits before that, because I very much am a one ki- one game at a time, unless it's mobile and PS5. Like, I'll play those two at the same time, but I'm not going to play. I usually don't start MLB The Show and then pick up Ghost of Tsushima and then start playing Kena and then play Deathloop as they release. I want to finish things. I, I'm not one to just move on without finishing something. In October, I only have three that I'm excited for, and... One of them is something that I, I might I probably will wait for a sale, to be honest. And the first one, Far Cry 6, I'm there day one. I just, I love the franchise. I think the Ubisoft formula in that game hasn't worn out on me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the checklist gamer that I am. Maybe it's comfort. I don't know. It's just like, I love these first person shooters where you just go around, take out posts, hunt. You just take down villains. Like, that's it. <laughs> you know, you just, the collectibles generally aren't super like they don't make you get all the collectibles in the Far Cry games. So if they did that this time, that'd be infuriating. But most of the time, it's like get 20 of the collectible collectible or something like that. So I'm really looking forward to Far Cry 6 on October 7th. And then in the middle of the month or late of the, in the month, House of Ashes from the Dark Pish, Pictures and Anthology series that releases and I'm actually really curious about this game. It looks a lot different than the other ones. A lot more action-oriented, a lot more team and character like bonding, looks like. And I'm really curious as to how that'll play. Um, I need to play one of the other games. I've been recommended to play it, but they said, like, Man of Badan is the one to skip or something like that. So we'll see how that one pans out. Really, it's all about that, that trophy list and how it reviews, because it could be bad. You never know with those those dark picture anthology games and then lastly i think it'll be bad you think it'll be bad yeah i think it'll be bad for trophies and i think it'll be not good in terms of spooks ah it's it doesn't look like it's about spooks it i mean it has man of madan has a really bad achievement list by the way does it really i don't know about the other one yeah it sucks you have to you have to play the game like three times and you have to also play the game fully in co-op as well bruh i have not played I mean, I have played Heavy Rain, and I'll tell you right now, nothing will be as torturous as that. <laughs> so I would probably be able to do it, but I just have been told that one's the one to skip. It's really not as good. 
I can't remember what the other one is. For some reason, my brain wants to think like Rose or something, but I don't know. Then lastly in October is the maybe, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's, um, sorry, it's uh, Little Hope, I think. Little right? Hope, there it is. That's that's right. I've been told to play that one for sure. Um, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if I'll pick this up at launch. This isn't a game that I'm going to be like spoiler sensitive for. I mean, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. I imagine it will be dumb fun, but it all depends on how they roll this game out. Because I am, I'm not going to be into this game if they're going to have DLC support over and over and over and over again. I'm like, mm, just won't deal with it. I won't deal with it. And I'll wait for reviews because it could be bad. The Marvel games really only has one good series, and it's not Avengers. It's Spider-Man. So we'll see how the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy will be on, the, on October 26th, and I'll wait for a sale probably. And that's it for October. Nice. So, okay, so October's pretty stacked for me, although it's not stacked with, like, must-play stuff. It's stacked with a lot of things that I definitely consider playing. Although the start of the month is something I'm 100% playing as soon as I can get it. I'm I'm in day one. That's uh, Alan Wake Remastered. Comes out October 5th. Actually, I don't know if they've announced that yet, but, you know, it comes out October 5th. And then... There was a leak about it on a store listing. They've announced the game, but I don't know if they've announced the date. But Alan Wake is amazing. It's probably my favorite Remedy game ever. It's either that or one of the Max Payne games. I love Alan Wake. I love the the setting, the tone, the mood, the characters, the gameplay. I love it all. It's it's fantastic. Probably, I don't think it's in my top 10 games of all time, but it it, it must be pretty close. So it's very good. I've got the completion for the original Xbox 360 game, and I'll get the completion again. Also coming out in October 5th, it, on October 5th, is Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. So I might check that out. I don't know. I, I, I've I played Super Monkey Ball like very rarely, very occasionally, and I've enjoyed what I've played. I feel like it's going to be infuriating to get a completion in one of those games. But maybe it will be the one. Maybe if the review... I, I have a good feeling about it. Sega seems to be supporting it they've got like a lot of cool characters in it and they seem to be pushing out marketing for it pretty regularly so they they seem confident in the game to me and i'm hoping there's some really cool and inventive levels and if the reviews hit i i might i might go for it but alan wake will 100 percent take priority did you play alan wake i have not i played control and i know there's references to alan wake but i have not played yeah it. i mean alan wake remastered is coming to ps5 so for the first time that game's coming to playstation so i'd definitely re- unless they completely mess up the the remaster in some way i'd strongly strongly recommend it you know it's a third person action adventure game it's got some level of horror elements but it's more it's very twin peaks inspired it's very stephen king inspired yeah and it's great that. it's self-aware and it's 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 awesome then uh far cry 6 is coming out as you mentioned I still haven't beaten Far Cry 5, so I won't buy 6 before I've beaten 5, because that would just be, I don't know, I'd just be like a, a heathen. I'd be a, a, a video game villain at that point. No. Terrible. I disagree so, with you here, because most Far Cry games are separate from each other, except for New Dawn, which completely spoiled Far Cry 5. Yeah, but I, I want to play Far Cry 5, is okay. the thing. So it's like, so so why would I buy 6, like, day one, full price, when I want to play 5? Because like, it's different. They're they're way different. Like Yeah, yeah, but I'm not going but like right, okay. So there's two games in the same series and I wanna play both of them and I own one of them. Why would I buy the other one unless like I unless I really, really want to play the other one more? Like it doesn't it doesn't make any any sort of logical sense to me. Like I, I get what you're saying, they're different, but like it's not like I don't want to play half Far Cry five, you know? Right, like, right. It's a hype train. No... You gotta get on that train, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's like wanting to be part of the conversation, I guess, but it's like, it's also like, I've played every Far Cry game, so I've played one, two, three, well, every mainline Far Cry game, because I know there's a bunch of spin-off ones, but I've played one, two, three, four, and four, so it's like, I'm not going to skip five and just go to six, like... That makes sense, that makes sense. Doesn't work. So those are the reasons it doesn't work, I I get what you're saying about them, about them being disconnected, Uh, they're not like following the same story, that wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't trying to to refer to that. And then 
so this is where the month i don't know the month is kind of crazy because then on the 12th back for blood comes out it's day one game pass you know it's a left for dead spiritual successor i've heard mixed things about the beta for it but you know it's it's functionally free for me so i i may as well give it a try i really like left for dead so if this game is half as good as left for dead i'll probably have a good time with it you know maybe i'd be like oh it's not worth buying at full price but you know game pass why not and then also so on the 22nd battlefield 2042 comes out and game pass gives you a 10 hour trial of that game so i'll give the 10 hour trial a try i kind of feel like they're charging what like 70 dollars for this game 70 pounds for this game and it's multiplayer only which is quite bold like they must be really confident that what they've got is really good because that's a that's a really high price point for a multiplayer only game with no campaign i definitely won't take the plunge and buy it straight away but i'll play the the free trial and if i love it or really like it then i'll i'll buy it can i ask and you something then, yeah sure okay so with the free trial does it pop achievements during that 10 hours yep oh no i wouldn't oh man i'd be so far away from that because then i'd have to actually chase them i'd have to get it because then you're only going to have a certain percentage yeah that makes sense but it's something where i'm not fully sold on the game but i want to try the game so it's like what mm. am i going to do right like what what else can i do all to count <laughs> well then i'd have to then i have to pay for game pass on oh that's true that's true and the trial isn't just for everyone it's for ea play which is in Game Pass. So, right. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if, if, I, if I'm, if i like, super frustrated by the list and I'm like, I, I want to get all of them, but I don't love the game, then I'll just wait a few months. Like, usually multiplayer games, they you are on a time limit to get all the achievements, but the time limit isn't, isn't that bad. Like, you could play it in six months' time or one year's time, and the price is probably halved by then. And you would still have no real problems getting the achievements unless there's something like super fucked up with them. Yeah, it's bad if you get the game like three years later or like four years later, potentially the game might be completely dead and then you're just screwed. If I'm like, this game wasn't that good that I don't want to play, don't want to pay 70 pounds, I can still, I can still hold off and then get into it a bit later when the price drops, which it will. The price will definitely drop as well because, first of all, it's EA and they take part in sales all the time. And then secondly, because it's a multiplayer game, they rely on getting more people in the door and more people in those servers to keep to keep the whatever the, the map packs and the season passes and whatever, whatever else they want to sell to you uh, going at that point. Absolutely. And then on the 26th is Guardians of the Galaxy and on the 28th is Riders Republic. So... I'm not sold on it. It's funny. All of those, like those past four games, I'm not like fully sold on any of them, but I'm intrigued by them. I'm interested in them. Riders Republic, especially no one's really talking about this game. Um, I feel like, and it's Ubisoft, but it's like, it's interesting Ubisoft because they're, they're doing something different. It's a new IP. It kind of reminds me of like that game steep that they did. And it seems like it could be really fun. It seems like it could be something different in terms of multiplayer. It's like extreme sports style stuff, but it's not It's not simulation. It's very arcade is what it looks like. And I'm interested in that. I think that the worry is that it will get boring and old quite fast. I think it might be one big map as well that you're on. So you might just, you know, it, it's like this happens in like GTA as well, where it's like you get one big map, but there's like only three good areas or like there's the three best areas and there's so, so then you've got this huge map but you just drive around and like bike around and and and, and glide around th those three areas all the time and then it gets it gets quite boring so there's the risk of that for that game but yeah none of them seem like you know 10 out of 10 games but they're, they're all interesting enough that i'm that i'm probably going to check at least some of them out and that's that's everything for october for me Damn, you do have a stacked month. Man, I had like three in there. <laughs> um, and then November, dude. This is a time where I am going to spend this month straight up playing the Halo franchise. The entire thing. Because at this point, it's like I have nothing to do. And then Halo will be coming in December. So I need, I need to play all of them and get caught up so that I know what the hell's going on in Infinite. Yeah, th that makes sense. I mean... 
They seem to be sort of soft rebooting after five, kind of. Kind of. It's a continuation, but I think they're throwing a lot of the... Hopefully they're throwing a lot of the dumb shit in Halo 5 out. Yeah, no, that's a great time to do it. The games aren't very long. Uh, I get some pushback on this, but each Halo game takes me about five hours. Like, five hours each, even if I'm not rushing. But I think for most people, they're probably eight or nine hours. I guess as well, if you've seen... Like, when I play them now, I've seen all the cutscenes before, so... So that helps, but yeah, those games—they're—they're they're still pretty short. Yeah, you can—you can definitely get through them. November for me, it's quite annoying because it's got two big games, and both of them are right next to each other. So the latest Call of Duty entry is coming out November fifth, and then Forza Horizon Five is November 9th. I think Forza will probably be a much better game than the next Call of Duty. I feel like I have a feeling this Call of Duty is going to be like a low point for the series. I think Sledgehammer aren't the greatest COD devs. I think they don't seem to be... I think World War II is a really interesting setting still, even now, even with it being oversaturated. But I don't think... Nothing about this game has indicated to me they're going to do anything interesting with the setting. You know, like, um, obviously, like, Wolfenstein isn't... You know, it, it's like alternate history stuff. It's not World War II. But, like, those games use World War Two and they use the Nazis and all this stuff. They use it in a really interesting and compelling and unique way. And you know, they have like cool like robot dogs and, and, and stuff like that. And and they do a ton with that setting and that theme. And this card seems like another card where it's just it's like it's taking it seriously, but it's not it's not going anywhere like edgy or interesting. It's it's not it's sort of stuck in the middle where it's like the action is cartoony in terms of that it's exaggerated and over the top and sort of michael bay like action but it's not it's not it's too scared to go really crazy and also it's it's not reserved and thoughtful enough to be really affecting and impacting that's that's how it reads to me based on the marketing and the trailers and and hopefully that that's wrong right like hopefully they're holding stuff back and it's like we've got like all this cool stuff in the campaign and and in the multiplayer but it doesn't seem that way to me so I don't think the game's going to be amazing, but I've played basically... I think I've played every Call of Duty game, and I like playing the multiplayer at launch because I prefer... There's like a golden time period where a new COD comes out and no one knows like the meta weapons and people play in more interesting ways to play against before everyone like uses the exact same gun and goes to the exact same angles to shoot at you from. Like that people actually play the maps in more interesting ways. And there's like, you can never get that time period back where people play that way. So, except maybe on Christmas because of the, you know, Christmas noobs, as they say. So I really like that that time period where everyone's like scrambling to try and figure things out and experimenting with different weapons. Because it makes me feel like I can experiment with different stuff and, and mess around a bit more. So I basically am guaranteeing I'll play it at launch, even though I'm not that hyped for it. And then... Forza Horizon 5, I think it's probably going to be spectacular. Uh, playground games don't miss. They haven't ever missed, especially in that genre, right? Like, they, they pretty much are only known for racing games. So, you know, I'm, I'm not as confident in Fable, which they're making. But in terms of Forza Horizon, it feels like they've got that series on lock in terms of they, they know exactly what they're doing. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like I'm not, I'm not like a super car guy or anything and i'm not really obsessed with the series but i i'm looking forward to it and i'm thinking that i'll get like a solid few hours out of it at least and it'll be cool to play it hopefully with some friends as well that'll be that'll be pretty cool because there's a lot of multiplayer and shared world stuff in that game and in all the horizon games and then yeah that that's that's my november so it's only two games but i've got a lot to say about them and they are like huge temple releases for activision and microsoft I'm um I'm with you on the Call of Duty stuff. I actually I don't get upset when I see a game set at World War II. I just I think it's an interesting setting and I'm always down for more stories there. And with the unbelievable blockbuster budget that Call of Duty has, their stories just they slap, dude. And even if they're not like the greatest story ever, you could just see how much it costs just by playing it. It's like the set pieces and shit are so insane. And Usually I just get onto a friend's account and play it that way, like the campaign, just to just to play it. But of late, Call of Duty's been nailing their their campaigns 
and their trophy guides or their trophy lists. So I usually do platinum them and it doesn't, it's usually like a five out of 10 or something like in the middle where it's hard, but it's not like impossible. And I really like when they do that. I really like when they do that. So we'll see how this one goes. And then later I'll decide if I want to grab that on sale or something. Yeah, veteran seems to be getting easier and easier in terms of the most recent Call of Duty games as well. And and yeah, the lists have been have been good and the campaigns have been good. I will say though, again, this one's been made by Sledgehammer and Sledgehammer. They're they're probably the worst of the of the three, right? Of the Treyarch, Infinity Ward, Sledgehammer trio. I'd say Sledgehammer are the worst, but I still think that you know, like like you say about COD. You know, I think it's simultaneously underrated and overrated as a series because it's like all of the games are at least serviceable, right? They're always playable. They're always like, like you can you can have an okay time, and they, and they don't demand too much of your time either, especially the campaigns. Like, I feel like they're always consistently at least okay, and I think it's very rare for them to be amazing or brilliant, but they're always like okay to good and very occasionally great or amazing so i kind of feel pretty happy about getting it which is which is odd even though it is cod yeah (laughs) all right let's um let's talk about december december i have two games and the first one something i'm very excited about and i hope it does well because if it doesn't i don't know if i'll play it on december 7th is dying light 2 I love Dying Light 1, and this game looks very different from Dying Light 1, which is fine. It still has the the parkour and the first person going around the map and stuff, but it just looks different because there's more narrative choices and like a whole different vibe that I'm getting from it, but it doesn't change how much I loved the first one and how much they, the developers, loved the first one, and I hope that they, that 2 gets as much love as 1 did, but I don't know. It's so, it's taken such a hell turn in terms of the development cycle where this thing was announced so long ago then it's been delayed and delayed again and we'll just see where it's at we'll just see where it's at when it comes out and then the last one for me is halo infinite which i will be preparing for in november and i don't know if i'll hunt that one i just you know i don't hunt on on xbox very much and I just want to understand and be part of the conversation of Halo because that's something that I've missed out on for so long. And where I'm at currently is Halo 2. So I have quite a ways to go to get to Halo Infinite and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, so for me, December is just Halo Infinite. I'm interested in Dying Light 2, but again, I haven't finished the first game and I want to go back to it. So I'll I'll want to finish that first. Maybe I, I mean maybe I'll do that before December because there's enough time for it, obviously. But um, so so maybe that will will be added. But yeah, Halo Infinite. I'm gonna play a ton of that. I'm gonna play the campaign, the multiplayer, everything. Uh, you said about hunting Halo achievement lists are usually pretty difficult. There's usually, especially the Bungie games. The Bungie games usually had like like five really really annoying achievements that you'd need to do you'd need to do it on like co-op and on legendary with like four people and you'd have to do it with like a weird combination of skull so you'd have to find like really good players and then you yourself would have to be really good and yeah there's a lot of awkward stuff like that and sometimes the the max sometimes the multiplayer stuff is quite tricky as well it'll typically be like halo games it's like 75 percent of the list is like really easy or like you just get from like beating the campaign on legendary and getting collectibles and sort of playing a few multiplayer games and then then the last few can be a nightmare. Uh, I don't think I have Halo 5 completed. I think I maybe have Halo 4 the the base list completed but uh, and I have Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary fully completed and I have about half or like two thirds of Master Chief Collection completed so I'll go for the completion in Halo Infinite if it's feasible and if I like the game enough but I'm not fully committed to it. It's not like um, I don't have like the flawless list of the Halo games. It's quite rare for me to get a full Halo completion. I think the lists have become easier since 343 have come in. I wonder as well because so the campaign and the multiplayer are separate downloads. Like if you go because you can pre-install them now, they're totally separate. And that makes sense because... The multiplayer is free to play, whereas the campaign you have to pay for it or play it on Game Pass. So it's probably like an easier way of like not forcing you to like like imagine if you 
only wanted to play the free-to-play multiplayer. If you had to download all of the campaign as well to even like get into the multiplayer, I mean, it it would be kind of slightly annoying as like a business thing. I guess you'd be like, oh, hey, why don't you buy it? You've already got it installed. Like, it, you could kind of screw people over a little or tempt people over a little in that way. But I think it's separate downloads. And so that makes me wonder if it'll be separate lists because mm. Crackdown 3 has a thousand gamer score for its multiplayer and then a thousand gamer score for its campaign. So, and those were separate downloads as well. So I wonder if Halo will do that, if they'll do a separate list for the campaign to the multiplayer, which would be, I think I'd quite like that. I like that I think, too. I think that's genius. Like I'm just not, a, you know that in my pet peeves, like multiplayer trophies is like my number one pet peeve. And if they separate that shit out, where I don't even have to play multiplayer, but I can focus on the campaign, that's awesome. That's, like, way better. It's actually yeah, the it's smartest way for, to do it. <laughs> it's good for, like, Halo super fans as well, because it means you get, like, you get 2,000 points, and you get two lists. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really love the campaign and the multiplayer, you get to, you get, like, twice the number of achievements to go for. So, yeah, I think that would be a good idea if yeah, they do that. That sounds like a win-win. That doesn't sound like there's any negatives to that. <laughs> It's just the smartest way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they do, and that—that's it. That's my December, just Halo Infinite. <laughs> yeah. Damn, dude. The end of the year is only four months away. Can you believe that shit? No, it's crazy. It is crazy. We counted our games before we we started this, and it's like we have twelve games that we're gonna play before the end of the year, right? Is that yeah. what you? Yeah, have? I think I think I'm on thirteen. Thirteen. So it's like, that's a good number of games and not including the ones that we're going to play on our backlog. So add four or five Halo games to mine, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably... There's no way I'll play all 13, basically, I guarantee it. Like, I'll I'll probably be like, oh, hey, I want to play Spiritfarer instead of the Artful Escape or something. Like, Like, I'm sure I'll make substitutions in that. Right. Well, let's go ahead and do our trophy and achievement of the week, which... Dude, I was going to choose one from Life is Strange because I am a big Life is Strange fan. I've said before, like, I wish that I could buy, a, like, a poster of Chloe, but I think it's extremely weird to have, like, a teenager, like, a teenage yep. girl on my wall. It's, like, weird. She's such an awesome yeah, no, character with a good... I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> She's an awesome character, though, with a good story, and I wanted to choose something from Life is Strange, but a lot of the trophies that I started to look at, I was like... As someone who's very spoiler sensitive, I was like, these could be spoilers for people. And so yeah, I, they they imply spoilers, but you you wouldn't be able to if you know nothing, you wouldn't be able to reverse engineer the spoilers. But but yeah, I I agree. So I went ahead and I went over to Tales of Arise and its trophy guide, and I saw a trophy that I am excited to try, which is hundred hit Smackdown, and this is a trophy for getting over one hundred hits in a combo. Sometimes these come naturally, but most of the time when I see a trophy like this, it's one of the first I go for in the game. And it's so it's such a strange thing that I do because it makes me get better at the game because I am folk so focused on getting a 100 hit combo that I'm doing the blocks, I'm doing the the counters, I'm doing everything I can to get a 100. And even though when you start a game, usually you don't have any upgrades, you don't have any powers, you get really good at the game playing it that way, trying to get the highest combo without getting hit. And so when you do get everything, it makes 100 hit combos way easier and you're just better at the game. So I usually go for these kind of trophies like right, right from the get go. And that's why I wanted to shout this one out. So 100 hit Smackdown, get over 100 hits in a combo. Nice. I mean, it's not nice because it's from a weeb game. (laughs) Nice. Um, So my achievement of the week is from one of the greatest games of all time, Alan Wake. Um, It's uh, because I'm really happy about the announcement for for the remaster. It's a damn good cup of coffee, which is a reference to to Twin Peaks. So it's fine. 25 coffee thermoses. So Twin Peaks is amazing. And it's a big inspiration for Alan Wake's setting of Bright Falls. So it's my favorite achievement name in the list because of it being a reference to that and uh, Dale Cooper's love for coffee. And this game, though, I will say about Alan Wake is it has a ton of collectibles and a ton of different collectibles. And the thermos flasks are one of them, but they do collectibles really well for the most part. The thermoses don't do anything, if I remember, but the other collectibles, there's these TVs that show you an episode of it's called Night Springs, which is basically a reference or like a 
an homage to the Twilight Zone. So you like find you find these TVs in the world, and they're collectibles. And when you play them, it plays like an a full episode of a Twilight Zone style show, which is essentially like supernatural or like scientific or, or sci-fi type um, sort of horror stories that usually have like a nasty ending to them, essentially. And and they're really they're really great. Like that attention to detail is awesome. That it's just in these collectibles that you can miss. And then other collectibles are these manuscript pages. And the way Alan Wake works is that the manuscript pages essentially talk about events in the game that are going to happen at some point or have already happened. And these collectibles are scattered through the game and they're not in order. So essentially you can get a manuscript page and then you can read it and it might give you like hints about like enemies that are coming up or like events that are coming up in the story. Or sometimes it'll be about something that's happened already or like will give you extra context to it. It's really awesome. It's almost like the script of the game is like spread throughout as a collectible, which is a really weird and unique way to do collectibles. So I love the collectibles in the game. So find 25 coffee thermoses as a as a collectible related achievement. This game does collectibles pretty well, better than most games, I'd say. So yeah, again, play Alan Wake, wait for the remaster, of course. The remaster's cheap as well on Amazon. It's uh, it's twenty five pounds. So it sounds like they're selling it for like a a steal. They're selling it for like forty dollars, I guess, or or thirty five or something. So yeah, check it out. The collectibles are good. The achievement list is good. The game is amazing. So shout out to to that again. Yeah, you definitely make me want to play it. Well, I think that's uh, that's it for our episode. Um, do you have any final thoughts, AJ? Yeah, I think uh. I'm really going to be interested in... I haven't even seen any of the reviews for The New Life is Strange. So I'm really... The game actually scored lower than I expected. Like, after I played it, I was like, this is going to get like an 85 on Open Critic, and it got like an 81. Wow. So I'm interested in, like, where people are like, oh, this sucks, or, or whatever, or where people are disappointed. And I'm really interested in, like we said about, like, how it could go the other way. I'm, I'm interested in if people who are huge fans of the previous games, if any of them come away from the new one and are like, this isn't that good. Like, I'm really interested if someone has the opposite of me, where I didn't like the previous one and liked this one if they have, like, the total the total flip of that. So I'm, I'm really interested to check that out. And, uh, if you feel that way, however you feel about the game, you know, write in and we'd love to we'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. That was a great idea cuz next week if I finish it, I think we should do the the spoiler cast and it'd be nice to have other people's opinions and on this game because it's so it's just so narrative focused. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Happy hunting. Peace out. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Complete Edition. If you like the content, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash completion club. If you have any questions or would like to reach us, email completionclub at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Complete Edition.